Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Victory Monday once again, Colts fans, as the Indianapolis Colts took down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and moved into sole possession of seventh place in the AFC standings. Is it time to seriously start talking about the playoffs? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? Let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of the Horseshoe Huddle Podcast presented by FanNation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always by my fellow writer, co-host, and analyst at Horseshoe Huddle, Drake Wally. Drake, Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I definitely did. Had a lot to be thankful for this year. Uh, made a made a pretty big announcement on on Thanksgiving as well. Uh, joining joining the club as as a as a father here uh, in the spring. So that was that was pretty. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of also fun too. amazing post. <laughs> amazing hey, post. You never. I had, I had to do some math there. Uh, add it up to try to figure out when 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 the little one would be draft eligible. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. So <laughs> if it is a boy, hey, you're gonna start them early. But how are you doing, man? How was your Thanksgiving? And uh, it's great to join you here on a Victory Monday. Yeah, it was really good, nice and relaxing. Um, got to watch some college football. It was an amazing game between OSU and Michigan, per usual. Um, but man, I, I gotta say, I I'm really excited that the Colts were able to play the way they did. I know that we were just talking about this before the show. I totally get that Tampa isn't going to, you know, wow you when you see them in the win column, cause they're four and seven now and Baker, you know, isn't really playing at the highest of levels. He's playing better, but man, it, it's a good win. It's a neat, it's a win that was needed. It had to happen. So they still got it done. And you know what? It gives you more confidence in the last six games that you can, maybe sneak into that seventh seed and keep that seventh seed for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, definitely get into this last stretch of the season, six games left. Very, a lot of, I think the Colts will be in every single one of those, but it all started with Tampa Bay on Sunday, taking care of business. Let's look at the chat here. Uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, the woman that's going to make me a, a father uh, come May uh, with her, the nightly super sticker, $3 this time, uh, going a little splurging a little bit. So thank you so much uh, for that. Truitt is in here with his super sticker as well. And he says, congrats uh, to Mr. And Mrs. Moore. Greatly appreciate it. Truitt. He's back from his mini vacation and very encouraged uh, about the team. Truitt. Thank you so much, buddy, for all of your support. Uh, great to have you back live in the chat. Wyatt Law here as well. 
What a Colts debut by linebacker Ronnie Harrison. Looked right at home at the will position, safety background, and advantage. We'll definitely talk about Ronnie Harrison and his big play on Sunday uh, as the replacement for Shaquille Leonard. Stats Matt is in the building as well. What's up? We in the playoffs as of this moment. It's a good time to be a Colts fan. A lot of momentum going on uh, uh, with this team. A lot of excitement building with this team. And Spooks Hill Joe, congrats to you both. Wish you all the best. Thank you so much uh joe really do appreciate it uh and 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 we thank you so much for all of your support so before we dive in please go follow us on all of our socials like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you know whenever drake and i go live with brand new content here for the horseshoe huddle podcast so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live apple spotify google wherever you listen to podcasts we're on there as well so make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can reach other colts fans just like you so hope everyone had a fantastic thanksgiving like drake and i did but let's talk about what really matters here in the football world, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts pulled off their third win in a row on Sunday, beating down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-20 to at Lucas Oil Stadium. Really fun game. Uh, I think it was it was the first time in a while, Drake, where the both offense, defense, special teams, they all uh, uh, really played and, and complemented each other. And I think Shane Steichen spoke to that after the game where, yes, it, there were some specific players that, that stood out, but it wasn't just uh, uh, the defense that carried the team as like they did the past two wins or it wasn't the offense trying to having to score 35, 40 points to get the win uh, and, and try to pull it off it was really good complimentary football to a tampa bay buccaneers team while they're while they're four and seven as their record uh they definitely have some playmakers on both sides of the ball and the colts took it took care of business at home yeah and you know what uh give shane steichen credit it's a regardless of if a team is dinged up with injuries or they're you know mostly healthy or completely healthy they're still all pros and you're still going in there and you're defeating professional athletes and he took advantage of a weak secondary, but an even weaker secondary minus Jamel Dean. Now, don't get me wrong. Minshew still found a way to throw an interception. But, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, the ground game looked great against a team that destroys ground games. The, the Minshew, outside of that interception, there were moments where he was shaky, mostly carried the team. Okay, uh, in a game manager role like he should. The defense, especially that defensive front, six freaking sacks on the day. I mean – just an overall great performance. And even Matt Gay had a great performance too. I know that he missed one, but it was a almost a 60 yard field goal. So give him a little bit of slack on that. But yeah, like you said, team victory, that's honestly about the best thing you can ask for. You want a team victory. You don't want one side to have to carry everything. So everybody complimented each other well. And, you know, even though Minshew did throw an interception, he still found a way to get in the end zone on the ground. So give him credit. You want your team playing good complimentary football into December and, and January. And and we'll start with, I mean, we talked about it. This was my X factor of the of the game as well. The Colts were going to have to run the football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming into the game, the Bucs were ranked fifth or sixth in the league against the run. 
did not stop the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts ended up running for 155 yards on the ground uh, against this Buccaneers front, and that was without Ryan Kelly even. So shout out to Wesley French for stepping in there at center and, and playing really, really good football uh, right in the middle of the offensive line there. But 5.7 yards per carry average led by Jonathan Taylor. Tell me what you thought of, of JT's performance, Drake, because in my opinion, that looked like the old JT to me, dominating the, the the running game, finding holes when there really wasn't anything there, and 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 being the bell cow for this offense. Yeah, and uh, look, he he did have he didn't have like twenty five or twenty six, twenty seven carries, but I think that it's because the game plan was nice and even. You didn't have to just give the ball to the running backs all day. Uh, but fifteen carries, ninety one rushing yards. For anyone that's curious, that's about six. Point one yards per carry along of 17 yards, which shows you the consistency of his runs and two scores on the ground, man. It was just nice to see him not only get in once, but he got in twice. And so Jonathan Taylor, I think, is firmly back in the swing of things as the bell cow running back and the leader of the Colts offense right now. He just looked. He just looked like he, he. The things were slowing down for him again. Wasn't pressing. Uh, I mean, there were a couple times where the Buccaneers had the Colts dead to rights just because of 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 how dominant their their defensive front has been. And Jonathan Taylor just continued to move the pile, like you said, ninety one yards on fifteen carries, the two touchdowns, uh, and with that came a a, a random drug test by the nfl today uh so so shout out to them for that but yeah i mean jonathan taylor controlled the line of scrimmage broke multiple big runs to 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 sustain drives and i mean zach moss did his thing too zach moss had uh eight carries for 55 yards i, I really thought that 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 the Colts did a good job of splitting up the the running back reps between Jonathan Taylor and and Zach Moss. Uh, they they didn't necessarily rely on on Jonathan Taylor the whole game or Zach Moss the whole game. It was pretty much split up. Uh, uh, I think like sixty five to 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 thirty five. You know, with Jonathan Taylor getting the bulk of the snaps and the carries, Zach Moss coming in to be not necessarily a change of pace back, but just to give some relief. Uh, uh, for Jonathan Taylor and 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 making sure both of those guys stayed fresh late into the game. I thought it was really good job by DeAndre Smith in, in divvying up those carries, playing the hot hand, but at the same time, not completely making the carries one side. And I think I think it led to a really refreshed and 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 a running game that that was able to carry throughout the second half. Shout out to Tom Brady, our our biggest fan, Tom Brady, uh saying very tough loss, but at least they played better than the Patriots did hashtag go butts uh, Brady with his $5 super chat. Hey, thank you so much for all your support uh, to, to uh, probably the second greatest quarterback of all time behind number 18. But Hey, uh, at least it, I'm, I'm sorry that both your teams got a loss this weekend, but yeah, at least they're, they're better than the Patriots. So uh, not much to be happy about there, but I mean, Hey, Tom Brady must be pretty sad, Drake, because Brady the last, two games the Colts have played beating up on Brady's former teams what's up with that Tom <laughs> yeah you know and and the thing is that hey, at the end of the day though the Patriots I do have to say this I figured that they might have a little bit of a rough season but honestly I didn't think that the entire bottom would fall out from it like that so yeah that, that could be one of the worst teams maybe even like a worthy of a number one pick if this keeps going 
I mean, hey, what, wouldn't that be something? Caleb Williams and oh, the New England Patriots jersey. Uh, or, or Drake May. I'm putting both those guys at scary. 1A and 1B. But, hey, thank you so much for your support uh, to Mr. Brady here. Always appreciated when you come and join uh, uh, the show. But, but Drake, there was another guy that, that really helped lead this offense as well. Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, there, I know there are some people out there that still are saying he's not a wide receiver one. Another 10 catches, 107 yards, making big catches to secure multiple first downs. I mean, going up against this 31st ranked pass defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially with Jamel Dean out, the the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not have a solution for Michael Pittman Jr. And, and really it took them doubling and triple teaming Pittman at times for them to really slow down. Number 11. I thought, I thought Pittman was excellent yesterday. Yeah. And I mean, he got targeted 13 freaking times and still caught 10 passes for 107 yards, which the 10 passes is a season high. And the 107 yards is only two yards shy of his, of his uh, season best. And I am I'm going to toot my own horn here. I had five keys for the game. And I said, key number three is get Michael Pittman Jr. the ball. And at the bottom, it says, look for Pittman to potentially put up his best game of the year against the Bucs because, number one, they stink on uh, in the secondary, and they were missing Jamel Dean. Look, they definitely game plan for Michael Pittman. They just couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't go against the Colts. You don't go into a game against the Colts and not game plan for Michael Pittman. So for him to catch 10 passes off of 13 targets, that's just ridiculous. And I think it's time to give Michael Pittman – his due as a number one receiver league wide. He he played very well yesterday, and 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 then just just starting off the show talking about these two guys. There's a reason we're doing that, and and Drake, I want to kind of hear your thoughts. But this guy, this goes in line with with, with what I wrote after after the game last night. The Colts are in the midst of a playoff push right now, and and they had to get this offense back on track. Who did they turn to? Their top two playmakers and Jonathan Taylor and, and Michael Pittman Jr. to get this offense back on track. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how many offensive snaps the Colts had yesterday, but 13 targets to, to Michael Pittman Jr., 15 carries for Jonathan Taylor yesterday. I mean, that's at least half of of the offensive snaps uh probably going total plays they had 70 so so with 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 13 targets and and 15 that gets it about what 28 so it's almost 50 well, percent almost 50 percent of of the of the entire offensive game plan and the offensive snaps went to those two guys the Colts, if they are going to make the playoffs, they've got to rely heavily on Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. They have to make sure those two guys are featured in their game plans. You've got to rely on your best playmakers in order to win. And, and that's what they did on Sunday. And, and look at the result. Got the Colts offense back on track. 394 yards of total offense after uh, an abysmal performance against the Panthers where without Kenny Moore, uh, they they probably it's uh, probably a very close game and and then yeah. uh, against the Patriots the offense was nowhere to be found pretty much so getting back to around 400 yards of total offense getting Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman heavily involved in the game plan and and good things happen 
Yeah, and you know it really helps to have those two your two biggest playmakers on offense in completely different positions. And I'm not even talking about a tight end and a wideout. I'm talking about you got one guy who's a wideout and one guy who's a running back, and they both are Pro Bowl level players. And Jonathan Taylor's an All Pro level player. So to have them both humming and have them both operating efficiently, boy, that's going to put pressure on any defense, regardless of who's under center. Austin, uh, I like this guy. This comment saying extend Pitt now for four years, eighty-five million dollars. Honestly, yeah. I think that's probably what it's going to take. I think it's going to be around twenty to twenty-two million dollars to re-sign Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, he's on pace for one hundred and seventeen catches, uh, well over twelve hundred yards this season. Those are those are very very good numbers for a wide receiver. And I know there's some there, you know, there's there's gonna he's not gonna maybe be the best in those categories. But those wide receiver one numbers, and that's twenty million dollar a year numbers for Michael Pittman Jr. So if I had to say, if I had to make a guess right now. I don't even know if the Colts want to entertain letting Michael Pittman Jr. hit the open market. I could very easily see a long-term deal get done this spring before Pittman has an opportunity to test the market. And honestly, I would not be uh, be uh, 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 sad about that or, or have a problem with that at all. I think Michael Pittman Jr. needs to be an indie long-term. Yeah, and you know, I just just real quick, I looked at his game log, and so through eleven games, right, he has one catch against the Rams because they completely just shut him out, and and two catches against Cleveland, which it's Cleveland. But outside of that, his next lowest reception amount is against the Titans with five, and then after that, it's literally week one, eight, two, eight, nine, nine, eight, 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 ten. So outside of three games. This dude has caught at least eight passes in every freaking game. That's just consistency right there. That's incredible. He's definitely the go-to guy in this offense. Stats Matt says we got to talk about the fourth down play calls to Mo and Pitt. We're definitely going to talk oh, about yeah. that just a little bit later in the show. So make oh, sure, yeah. so make sure you stay tuned when we talk about that. But let's let's talk about another guy on offense, Gardner Minshew. Uh, I mean, uh, overall, when you look at the stat line, not terrible, not great. Um, looking at looking at his 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 passing numbers: twenty four forty one for two hundred and fifty one yards and the interception. Uh, he also had the 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 rushing touchdown to add to it. And, and I thought it was a tale of two. Uh, uh, it was it was really all over the place for Gardner Minshew. At times, he looked really calm, settled in that pocket, being the distributor that that I think the Colts really want him to be. Other times, we saw him start to freak out again when there was when there was when there was a little pressure coming his way, or he 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 almost felt like there was pressure there when there wasn't. Don't even ask me uh, about why the the dude tried to run backwards when he was getting close to the line of scrimmage and and ran basically straight into a defender, but. I, I at least I think I think at least for if Colts fans want to look at this positively, Gardner Minshew didn't do enough to to hurt the Colts into a loss. But I would say Gardner Minshew didn't exactly win the game for the Colts either. No, and look, 24 for 41, 251 yards passing, an interception. He did he did score a touchdown on the ground, but he, he did only take two sacks. Now that play. You know, I remember saying to myself, what in the hell are you doing? But then when you go back and look at it, look, man, I think Minshew saw, I can't remember who number eight is for Tampa, but I think that he was thinking to himself, I don't want to get tackled. I don't want eight seconds to run off the clock. So I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go back and throw an incomplete pass. 
And it actually ended up, if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't that at the end of the first half and didn't that, if he just gets out of bounds, just a couple yards more than where they were, Matt Gay probably makes that field goal. Isn't that what that was? Is Didn't he have to kick a stupid long field goal because Minshew didn't run to the to the sideline the it was a 58 yard field goal and and I think I think there was multiple that that last drive before the half definitely wasn't the best drive of the day for the Colts it was issues with Minshew Uh, I don't think Steichen used the timeouts very well and and it certainly didn't end in in a scoring drive luckily it didn't it didn't hurt the Colts any in this particular game but I think it's definitely something they need to learn learn from moving forward and 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 Steichen it needs to to kind of manage it a little bit better uh but he also needs to but, but Gardner Minshew needs to be smarter in that situation as well yeah and look Minshew has shown through the games that he started and and the games that he's filled in for when Richardson did go out he's shown you what he is he's a game manager he's a safe thrower at times though you you just you already know the guy can, the guy struggles with pressure. Sometimes he sees ghosts. There was uh, that interception he threw was it was just it was I think a combo of things. I think that he felt pressure that wasn't there. I think that he just wasn't communicating on the route. I think that he thought something else. I think it was Josh Downs he was targeting. He thought Downs was running one thing, and Downs thought he was throwing just you know something else. So just bad communication, but. Man, Minshew in these games, when it comes down to teams like Pittsburgh and when it comes down to teams like Houston when they face them, and maybe even Atlanta, who has shown at times they can play some defense, I mean, you just you got to play more efficiently. I know it sounds really nitpicky, but when you have no touchdown passes as a quarterback who's not a runner and you only have one interception to accompany that, man, eight touchdown passes to seven interceptions is, is kind of an ugly stat line. So I think if the Colts want to win – went out and get to the playoffs, man. Minshew's just got to try his damnedest to not turn it over at all because he's just struggled with it this year. I want to give a shout out to our main man, Logan Schmidt, for his $5 super chat this evening. Logan, thank you so much. Uh, Definitely a a goat among us. That's for damn sure. Logan says, playoff bound, you handsome fellas. I don't want you to patronize us like that ever again. Uh, You're the the handsome one among us. But but Logan, thank you so much uh, for for all of your support, buddy. It really does mean the world to to Drake and I. Uh, But but Drake, yeah, I think getting back on, uh, just to talk about that interview, Interception a little bit. I haven't had a chance to go through the film uh, again yet, but from from seeing it there live, it did look like it was a miscommunication between Minshew and and Downs. It looks like that. I think it, it seemed like it was more of an option route where you you you're trusting the wide receiver and the quarterback to be on the same page. Downs kind of saw a, an opening there in the zone and and kind of sat in it. Minshew thought he was going to go out to the right uh, and and kind of just released the ball thinking that he didn't and and the cornerback was there uh, uh to make the interception and it was like almost like wrong place wrong time miscommunication i think it was carlton davis uh, the third that ended up making that that interception um so but yeah i, I thought i thought downs ran the right route sitting in that little zone so i'm not sure why Minshew thought that that was that was the correct read uh there but it, it did seem like like there, that miscommunication is what did it, but really just again summing up the summing up what what you need out of Minshew wasn't a terrible performance, but you still especially for this playoff push where every game matters and you can't have a game where Minshew kind of self destructs. 
he still needs to be better. Uh, I, I think to ensure that the Colts can 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 make this make a run into the playoffs because with so many teams so close there in the AFC. The margin for error for the Colts is zero. They really have to mm-hmm. they really don't have an opportunity to go 500 during this stretch. They they pretty much have to win most of the rest most of their games remaining uh, in order to secure that playoff berth. Yeah, and the good news is they've got a team that they've shown they can win these games with Gardner Minshew, okay? So uh, you just hope that his pocket presence gets a little bit better. And like you said, it's it's really a good thing that that ground game was humming. I think that that's when Minshew really operates the best. He's just got to try to limit those turnovers and honestly just stop getting happy feet and happy thoughts in the in the pocket because he, like you said, he kind of feels pressure when it's not there. And I, I think mixed with the miscommunication that led to the interception – Luckily, like you said earlier, it didn't hurt the team and force a loss. Now let's move to the defensive side of the ball uh, uh, for this. And, and kind of right on cue, we have someone asking for an update on, on a defender here. And it's Logan Schmidt once again. Thank you so much for your $2 super <laughs> chat, Logan. Uh, Logan says, need any kind of juju update? So... If I'm being honest, Logan, there really isn't much to update on there. The, the, the only thing we've really gotten from Shane Steichen is, is that he's progressing. And when asked whenever he's going to practice, we just get, we'll see. Uh, Juju Brents hasn't practiced in a while uh, because he's missed now. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, it was his third or fourth straight game um, um, missing and, and I be, being out four or five weeks now, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I don't know if necessarily he'll be ready after one week of practice. It might take a couple weeks of practice just to make sure that Brent's has his legs back underneath him. But as far as we know, he's, he's all we could, all we heard so far is that he is progressing. And, and luckily for the Colts, Daryl Baker Jr. has filled in pretty well in, in Brent's stead, but, but I know the Colts still want to get that second round uh, draft pick back because he was playing really well before that quad injury. Yeah, and for no other reason than that, I mean, the dude fits perfectly in Gus Bradley's scheme, and and he's Gus Bradley's like dream at cornerback. He's that long rangey guy, and like you said, he's made some really dynamic plays as a rookie. So, gosh, you just hope he gets back out there, if if at least for even if even if for just a couple games. I just hope he gets back out there, uh, and it's not turning into you know a well, we don't know the definitive yet but a jelani woods type of situation exactly exactly thanks you again uh for your support and logan schmidt says not an acceptable (laughs) answer hey buddy i'm trying if i had any more information on on juju brents i would (laughs) i would love to share with all of you uh uh, i really would because i'm i I loved watching number 29 out there play just as much as anybody i think he's a very a very talented kid and and excited to see what he can do in a cold uniform but logan thank you all thank you so much for your support buddy really do appreciate it but the defender i really want to talk about samson ebicom what a day by samson ebicom out there going up against a pro bowl all pro left tackle and tristan werves and he dominated four tackles two sacks uh, uh and and the forced fumble on baker mayfield that that pretty much sealed the victory for the indianapolis colts on sunday samson ebukam now uh second on the team with six sacks this season and he's sure making that that signing by chris ballard look better and better by the week 
Yeah, and it, I think that I, I can't remember who put it out on X, but they said that it might be the best free agent signing of, this, of, of the year, like without question. And, you know, we weren't talking about Ebicom for a couple games. And then here the guy comes against a good offensive line, okay, a line that has not allowed very many sacks, and he just tears them apart. I mean, he has two sacks in the game. He's only, like you said, he's only behind Dio Dangbo, who also, again, had himself a half sack, and he's he's actually leading the team with 6.5, and right behind him is Samson Ebicom. Hell, I think Tyquan Lewis had a sack. I think Eric, Eric Johnson had a sack. Quiddy Pay had a sack. It was just there was just sacks everywhere. Man, sacks were falling from the sky in that game. So uh, I, I think that I think that Samson Epcom really made a hell of a statement, and it's his best performance of the season without question. I'm telling you guys, when this signing was made, it gave me those Danico Autry vibes, really under the radar uh, uh, signing by the Colts uh, from a guy that that again was had had shown some promise, just didn't get the reps and just didn't get the opportunities at his former stop. Now that Samson Ebukam is in place and playing those starters reps in that Leo position, he's he's bringing this to fruition. Six sacks, he's got the potential to. He's with only with six games left i mean he very well could end up with double digit sacks this season and and he's really he's really been an upgrade in my opinion over unique and gawkway uh was a year ago going up against tristan worse tristan worse again one of the best offensive tackles in the nfl and smoked him numerous occasions True. you know pushing and pushing tristan worse who's a big man straight back into Baker Mayfield showing that 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 burst that power uh that he has and then to put the team on his back get by Tristan Wirfs in in the clutch come around strip Baker Mayfield and and give the ball back to the offense to to, to finish out the game it was phenomenal work by Samson Ebukam and and he's he's starting to come on you know I think he did have a lull period in the middle part of the season uh, but it is good to kind of see him rebound and have such a really impressive performance against top talent uh, uh, right across the, the line from him so very encouraging to see from Samson Ebukam and and you're hoping that this can be become more of the norm for for Ebukam rather than a, a once in a blue moon performance. Yeah, and look, the guy had by far the best pass rush grade. He had 29 pass rushing snaps. He had an 81.7 pass rushing grade. He had four pressures on the quarterback. Which, if I'm not mistaken, what was it that you said when he got signed, Andrew? You said. Yeah, his stats up to this point haven't shown that, you know, he's they haven't shown how much he can do, but all he does is put constant pressure on the quarterback. And that is all he did in that game. And he was constantly in Baker Mayfield's face. So, man, you really got that was a great game for him, not just statistical, uh, but just because you got a real view of what Samson Ebicom's role can be at its height and exactly why the Colts signed him. So good for him. He's earning that contract just like Matt Gay's earning his. And 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 you mentioned it, Drake. It wasn't just Ebukam that that was putting pressure on on Baker Mayfield. Uh, like you said, Quiddy Pay had a sack. It was good to see Isaiah Land get a sack uh, in his limited opportunities. Tyquan Lewis with another sack. Uh, Dio Odangbo and Adatomo uh, Adabare uh, with a half sack each to total six sacks for the day. Baker Mayfield could never really get comfortable back there, you know, and, and it led to some, to some errant throws. It put the Buccaneers behind the sticks. Uh, the Buccaneers started to have success running the football as well, uh, which is, which is they averaged, I mean, 6.6 yards per carry on the ground. Rashad White had a hundred yards in that game, but 
because the Colts were able to pressure Baker Mayfield, get them behind the sticks, they really couldn't use that that running game to their advantage. And as the Colts were, were kind of running up the score, they really had to abandon that running game. So one of our keys on our show last week was talking about pressuring Baker Mayfield, and, and that's what the Colts front did. Yeah, he was constantly uncomfortable. And, you know, Baker is a gamer. He's going to take that punch in the pocket. He could, he'll play through a shoulder injury. The dude's just, he's just a lunch pail type of guy, gets to work. But like, he's just like any other quarterback, too. And there's different tiers of success, but no quarterback throws well under pressure. I mean, uh, not well. Some throw better, but Baker Mayfield is just like any other quarterback. And he's very average, probably subpar. Uh, and in fact, that I, I I don't know if he misread that that interception to Ronnie Harrison, um, but man, he just like you said, he just constantly f- was on the ground. He even got hurt at one point. Kyle Trask had to come in. I mean, look, man, they they put a beating on on Baker Mayfield, and the Colts need to give themselves a pat on the back because again, that's a good offensive line, and it's got one of the best tackles in the entire game. And Tristan Wirfs, and like I said, Samson Epicom just cut him apart. And you mentioned Ronnie Harrison Jr. That's a perfect segue into the next guy we're going to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, the, the replacement for Shaquille Leonard, who was in attendance on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium, watching the game from a suite. The Colts uh, played a tribute video to Shaquille Leonard and, and then showed him on, on the Jumbotron, got a standing ovation from uh, the Colts fans in attendance there. Uh, he showed his love right back. It was a very touch. It was a very touching moment for for a lot of Colts fans and and I, I mean again credit to Shaquille Leonard for for showing up because honestly if he would have said I don't want anything to do with this organization anymore I don't think anyone could have blamed him you know and and but no Shaquille Leonard comes back all class continues to cheer on his brothers in the lo- in that locker room there and, and and cheer on his replacement in Ronnie Harrison Jr. who just I don't know if it was the very next play or a couple plays after uh, that tribute video was played. Ronnie Harrison Jr. goes out there and gets the interception. I mean, he called up from the practice squad this week. He was a converted safe, was a safety his entire career. The Colts said, "Hey, well, we'll bring you on, but you got to convert to linebacker for us." He does it uh, unselfishly. Waits his waits his turn grinding on the practice squad all year finally gets his opportunity comes in and immediately makes a huge play for the indianapolis colts defense and that's that's really when it all started i think it was tied at at three when uh when that happened when ronnie harrison uh uh uh, secured that interception and and immediately after that interception the colts go down the field score a touchdown and they don't relinquish the lead for the rest of the game yeah, and what an interesting switch because now you've got a guy who, I mean, he's he's 6'2", he's about 210 pounds, so he's very light. Um, but the thing is, he's got coverage ability because mm-hmm. all he's done, and he started a lot of games at safety. So the fact that he was able to go right in there, get into coverage at linebacker, get the interception, man, he didn't have any tackles. He barely played. But the thing is, he had a he had deep play for the defense. So I if he can continue to ascend and if he can maybe put a little bit of weight on, because otherwise he might get absolutely wrecked by a, by a pole block or just like a, a downfield block from a lineman. 
um, I, I think he could potentially be a serviceable guy and he could actually be one of the better coverage linebackers for the Colts just because all his career he was doing was covering receivers down the field and being literally the safety blanket for the defense. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Ronnie Harrison Jr. isn't being asked to play every down for the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. They have Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed for that reason. Those are their every down linebackers. And and I think it'll 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 just switch depending on on the situation. You know, if you need a bigger linebacker in there for for run defense in that Sam spot, that's going to be Grant Stewart. Grant Stewart mm -hmm. is the starter in that situation. If you need if you need to go to more of a three three linebacker set or even a dime, have a dime linebacker. In in there where you technically only have one linebacker and you're bringing more a more of a safety linebacker hybrid exactly what ronnie harrison is i think that's going to be the package for him so he, he's probably not going to be out there a lot but it seems like for for what the the role that the colts want him to play i think he fits it really well and and he certainly showed that on sunday making those big play that big play that that really turned the momentum in the colts favor and like i said they never relinquished the lead the rest of the game, leading to that 27 to 20 victory. And with that victory, Drake, the Colts, if the playoffs started today, Colts would be that seventh seed, their seventh seed in the AFC. Uh, uh, and, and honestly, sitting at six and five, I, I know a lot of fans didn't think that this was uh, uh, possible when the season began. And I mean, it's a credit to Shane Steichen. It's a credit to the, all the players, the, the rest of the coaching staff for, for putting on this run. But I know they're not satisfied with with just being in the seventh seed with six games remaining. They they could really care less about that. They have six games remaining. All six of those games, in my opinion, I think the Colts will have a shot. I don't think there's there's one game remaining on the schedule where I think there's 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 no way the Colts can win that game. And if they take care of business, Drake, the playoffs for the Colts in 2023 is a very realistic possibility. Yeah, and we just uh, – I'm going to give us – I'm going to pat us both on the back right here because we said don't don't pack it in, Colts fans. Like, don't pack it in. Like, I know that Richards – we know that Richardson's injured. We, we understand there's been a lot of injuries, actually, for this team. But all they do is just keep on winning. And I understand their, their, their schedule is softer, but it, they're all professionals, and they've still won – this is now three in a row. They were three and five. Now they're six and five. It's all about it's all about when you catch fire. And the Colts are catching fire at the perfect time because it's a weak schedule. They need to catch fire. They have to win these games. And I, you know, when you look at that schedule, man, I think it's uh, I think it was uh, Josh Josh Smith. I think I saw uh, mentioned something earlier in the chat where he said, "How do you see the rest of the schedule going?" Or "How do you see the Steelers game going?" Or his biggest worry was the the Texans. I agree. I think the Houston Texans is literally the toughest game. I, I do think that the one thing that worries me about Pittsburgh is just history because Mike Tomlin understands how to beat Indianapolis. Okay. It's a lot different now though. It's not Jeff Saturday this time. All right. It's not Frank Reich this time. All right. It's, it's Shane Steichen. And that is a weak secondary without Minka Fitzpatrick right now. So that's a team I think they can beat. The Bengals don't have Joe Burrow now, very beatable football team. It's going to come down to the Houston Texans. And if I'm going to make a bold prediction, I think that the Colts will have to beat them to get into the playoffs. 
What if what if that happens? What if the Colts week eight week eighteen game against the Texans gets flexed into prime time because it's a battle for the seventh seed uh, or or higher winner gets in, in in the in the uh, in the AFC playoffs? But yeah, every game is winnable, but but also every they could also lose every single game uh, yeah. because every single I think all the games remaining are tough are tough contests for the Colts. Ten, Tennessee Titans this upcoming week, you know, um, Tennessee's always tough divisional opponent. I don't care who how good the Colts are, how bad the Titans are, or vice versa. The games are always very, very tight. Weekend after that, you go to Cincinnati. And yes, Joe Burrow is not playing, uh, but they still have Jamar Chase. We'll see if T. Higgins is back. Joe Mixon still have a very potent offense. And, and that defense uh, headed by, by Lou Amarillo, uh, very, very tough unit. So the Bengals are going to be in it. Then Pittsburgh, the Colts historically don't have a very good record against the Pittsburgh Steelers and and the Steelers are always in it you go down then to Atlanta Atlanta just beat the New Orleans Saints which beat the Indianapolis Colts earlier in this season Badly. <laughs> you can't discount the Atlanta Falcons the the Las Vegas Raiders the what I know the Raiders are going through a lot but the last time they fired a coach in the middle of the season and came to Lucas Oil Stadium the Raiders won that game, so you can't count them out. And then Houston is going to be a dogfight in Week 18 as well. So it's it's going to be a crazy schedule. But but I think, and, and this is why I I kind of wanted to save this for last. I think the Colts have an advantage because they have a coach that I think, and, and Drake wrote about it today, should seriously get consideration for Coach of the Year. Not only for the job that he's done with the Indianapolis Colts uh, uh, as taking him from a bottom team to now potential playoff team in one year without the starting quarterback for most of the season, but for for what he's done. And then we'll start about we'll start talking about what this this game in particular with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, those calls by Shane Steichen on fourth down. Uh, the the one where you you fake the the handoff inside, putting Zaire Franklin at fullback, getting a wide open Mo Alley Cox for thirty yards, uh, being able to throw it to to Michael Pittman Jr. That Pittman uh, play on fourth down. The Colts were three for four on fourth downs yesterday. Ooh. Shane Steichen going super aggressive there, and and it paying off in, in a Colts victory. But uh, Shane Steichen definitely in his bag yesterday, Drake. Yeah, and I think that you can, I mean, look, Gardner Minshew, you got to give him his credit at certain times, all right? I think especially after taking three freaking sacks from Kyle Ham, uh, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Hamilton um, uh, in that Baltimore Ravens game and still being able to to, to muster a win, even, even though it was kind of ugly, uh, that's impressive. Gardner Minshew is the perfect backup quarterback. I think that I think that it really helps that he understands Steichen's scheme and he operates well enough within it. But man, look. Shane Steichen has taken a team that has had constant rotations at, at, at offensive line, a team that was incredibly different with Anthony Richardson, and the ceiling was far higher, down to a very level playing field with Gardner Minshew. Then you have Jonathan Taylor, not even in week one, not even no Zach Moss, Moss either. Then you, he does this with Zach Moss. You also have to put into account that he's hired the right staff. And most importantly, I think his biggest hire has been Tony Sperano Jr. That dude was literally like a flame underneath the entire offensive line. He clearly has inspired this team. And I think it was Tyquan Lewis that said, you just want to play for Shane Steichen. We're bought in. He didn't say this, like, but this is what his, his statement paraphrases, that we're bought in, we're with this guy, and we feel like we can make the playoffs with him. And look, 
I'm going to say it. He's one of the best call, play callers in the NFL. I think you have to put him potentially top five. That's the thing. This team is bought in to what Shane Steichen is selling. Uh, you, you mentioned what Tyquan Lewis said today uh, about Shane Steichen. Um, he talked about the pillars that, that Steichen said in his introductory press conference and, 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 and that he stuck with those play those, those pillars throughout the season. Players have bought in to to what Shane Steichen is is selling to this team. They want to follow Shane Steichen. And Tyquan Lewis said, you know, no, Shane Steichen, this is the guy that that can lead us to the promised land. We we all believe in Shane Steichen. We all want to play for our, our play our hearts out for him, and 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 we're all following him into battle each and every week. That's something that you really want to hear uh, from your players, not not just guys from the top, but all through the roster. They really they really believe in Shade Steichen, and and I think when you have players buying into their coach's vision, buying into the things that he's teaching them, everybody is engaged, and everybody when everybody is engaged and believes. Whether you whether you think this is true or not, I've seen it happen where where when players believe that they can succeed and, and are, are being put in those positions to succeed, they go out there, they play harder, and they play better. So with with these guys buying into what Shane Steichen is is selling and, and seeing what what's transpired and the results that are happening on happening on the field. It shows me that the Colts absolutely nailed this hire with Shane Steichen, and 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 it is some it, it is uh, the, the the right coach to lead this Colts franchise back into the upper echelon of the AFC and the NFL. I think Shane Steichen has done a phenomenal job, and and I don't think the Colts would would even be sniffing the playoffs without Steichen as that head man. So really good win for the Indianapolis Colts yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's move along to the to wrap. Uh, talk about the injury report and and drake good news no new injuries yesterday for the indianapolis colts against the tampa bay buccaneers thought thought that 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 they they desperately needed that considering it seems like the last few games there's been quite a few injuries piling up uh but the guys that did miss sunday's action included Juju Brents, who we talked about earlier, missing another game with that quad injury, as well as Drew Ogletree with that foot injury. The Drew Ogletree injury, though, allowed Will Mallory to get some snaps. Will Mallory played a pretty good game on on, on Sunday uh, in his limited action, Drake. Yeah, and look, Kylan Grantson, I even put out a tweet on this or, or a post on X. I said, is Will Mallory slowly taking that move tight end position from, from Kylan Grantson? Because, look, Kylan Grantson was healthy. But you were only talking about Will Mallory. I, I, I mean, look, I think they're almost interchangeable at this level in their career because Mallory's a rookie. But I do think, and Kylan Granson, we've we've talked to him, we've been around him. I mean, he literally posted a picture like he had a baby when he had his first touchdown, and he held the football and was kissing it. I mean, dude, Kylan Granson's a, a clown. He is a clown, uh, but he's a great teammate. But man, I do think Will Mallory has the higher upside. I think Will Mallory's faster. Will Mallory showed some real ability in that game, man. And, and he's got breakaway speed. And, and it's like, if you can just somehow get both him and Granson going, man, that tight end room lots, looks a lot more enticing, even without Jelani Woods. But yeah, I, I was, I was pretty impressed with Will Mallory. We really haven't heard a lot from him until this game, actually. And then the final injury was Ryan Kelly uh, with that concussion, almost made it back uh, uh, for the game. He was in a a, a blue uh, full go jersey on Thursday. I honestly thought he was going to play, uh, but 
he, he wasn't able to pass that final step in the concussion protocol. Doesn't seem like Shane Steichen is overly worried about the, the long-term effects of this for Ryan Kelly. So I would assume that, that he is back this week against the Tennessee Titans, but shout out to Wesley French. You know, Wesley French has, has yep. done an admirable job in the games that Ryan Kelly has had to miss this season played really well at that center position and and has really when in games that that the interior of the offensive line could be disastrous without ryan kelly in there if if wesley french greatly struggles he's really stepped up and and handled that pressure so so good on good on wesley french for for playing really solid minutes in in relief of kelly yeah and i think that you gotta you gotta tip your hat to both wesley french and blake freeland they both they've both filled in just fine at times. You don't even really talk about them outside of, you know, a couple penalties here and there with Freeland, but yeah, get, give credit to Wesley French, but you do hope that Ryan Kelly can get back sooner rather than later. Cause I mean, look, man, he's a top five center, sometimes the best center in the entire league. See, he's been playing like it so far in 2023. So for the latest Colts news and rumors, we're going to talk about Shaquille Leonard again and, and kind of what, what's going on uh, with the linebacker as he looks for uh, another home. There's definitely interest out there for the uh, former four-time All-Pro in Shaquille Leonard. Uh, it was reported that, that Shaq Leonard is visiting the Dallas Cowboys this week and that the Philadelphia Eagles also have quite a bit of interest in, in Shaquille Leonard. So it could be as early as this week that Shaq Leonard has a new team. And, and it seems like the, the biggest interest uh, from the NFL is coming out of the NFC East to two top teams in that conference. It's going to be whoever really feels like they're just a Shaq Leonard addition away from a Super Bowl. I think, uh, I think that he's more, he's, he's, I just feel like he's more likely to go to the Eagles I don't think he's going to go to the Cowboys. And here's my reasoning is that I know that Nick Sirianni has kind of shown that he can be a little bit of a weirdo at times, but um, at, at the end of the day, he's a phenomenal leader. He's a phenomenal coach, just like Shane Steichen. His players are bought into what the hell he's doing. Um, and he knows Shaq Leonard. That's the biggest thing. So I, I, I think that that's really where you're going to see him go, but Hey, both these teams, they're both, they both have Super Bowl aspirations and hell they might meet in the playoffs too. So one of them might need Shaq Leonard. I think I think what's going to be big for for Shaq Leonard, I, I, it's not going to be money because both teams are probably going to offer the veteran minimum since Leonard is still due six million dollars from the Colts this season, no matter what. Um, so I think it's going to be about scheme and and where he thinks he has the best opportunity to to play well and and probably the the best opportunity to play meaningful snaps not just come off the bench as a uh, a a linebacker that might play a couple snaps here a couple snaps there i think he really wants to contribute uh, uh in a in a in a big capacity for this team so it's going to be interesting to see which team does uh, uh scoop up Shaquille Leonard and and like I've said or like we both said last week wherever Shaq Leonard does end up wishing well and hopefully he goes out and crushes it uh, uh for his new team and then one other thing to talk about that that kind of broke the uh the, the NFL news cycle today Former Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich was fired uh, from the Carolina Panthers today after going one in ten to start the season. Hasn't been a very, uh, very good year and a half for Frank Reich professionally. I would say with with the what the happened last year with the Indianapolis Colts and the debacle there, then going to Carolina and and everything that that happened there, and and obviously 
did not turn out how he thought or, or, or how they wanted it to be. And he got the really quick axe uh, uh, in, in Carolina. So before, uh, before you respond to that, Drake, NFL nerd giving us a super chat this evening. Thank you so much, buddy, for all of your support. Really appreciate you uh, tuning you, in and, and joining all of our discussions. Uh, NFL nerd says Reich had asked, Ask the question, did Frank Reich have the worst 12 months of coaching in NFL history? Um, I don't know. I don't know because I don't think it's entirely his fault. Um, I definitely think it had a, he was in two very poor situations. Um, Nathaniel Hackett's tenure still exists. Urban Myers' tenure uh, still exists, and and both of those were more on the coaches than than it was Frank Reich's situation, in my opinion, where he had an owner that was getting too impatient on, on in both situations, and and a meddling owner uh, that now, as more information comes out, especially at his time in Carolina, doesn't even seem like he was able to pick his quarterback when he had the first pick in the draft, which. Uh, Pretty damning considering how CJ Stroud has played compared to Bryce Young early in their in their careers. Yeah, and look, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Uh to anyone out there that thinks that Jim Ursay meddled last year, you don't know the name David Tepper. Uh <laughs> I, I think that I can't remember if it was elite takes at elite takes, but uh basically said that I think it was that since he bought the team in 2018, they're 30 and 63. Uh, Frank Reich aged 150 years in just 11 games. They were showing pictures of this guy. He looked like the president after four years. I mean, that, it sucks for Frank Reich because I did think while he was a while he was the coach of the Colts, he had moments. But when as soon as he got hired at Carolina, I was like, he's so screwed. And so I do think his coaching days as a head coach are over. I do think he could still be effective as an offensive coordinator, maybe even a QB coach. I think that would really be a great spot for him. And honestly, if he would have been the QB coach for the Panthers, maybe Bryce Young would have fared better than if Frank was the head coach. I, in my opinion, I don't think he'll ever coach in the NFL again. I think he, he even said today uh, in an interview uh, with, with someone that covers the Panthers down in Charlotte that, that he feels like the, this chapter, uh, the NFL chapter of his life is, is probably over. And, and if that's, if that's what he wants to do, you know, good for him. He's done, a, he's been in the game for a long, long time. I think long, he's, six, he's yeah. 62 years old now. So uh, if, if, in my opinion, if he if he wants to try to pursue it at more on uh, another opportunity in the NFL, maybe like a senior offensive uh, advisor or an off or an advisor to to maybe go pair up with Dick Sirianni, be an advisor to the Eagles or in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson. But honestly, it, it might just be better if if, if he wants to uh, uh, kind of spend the rest of his days with his family, enjoying because I know he's got some young grandkids uh, that he'd like to be around more often uh that's if i was frank reich that's probably what i would do so again appreciate the question nfl nerd uh and yeah i i, I feel more more saddened and sorry for frank reich than anything else personally but to wrap up the show today drake one of our favorite segments on a victory monday because usually we're giving this guy praise so the colts player of the game who is your pick for this award as indy gets their third straight win uh in this stretch to to possibly make the playoffs you know i had two guys but i gotta go i gotta go with jonathan freaking taylor this guy 
multiple times. I mean, I know he's an elusive guy. He's a fast guy. But in this game, he showed power and break tackling ability. This guy was just running through people, and he showed consistent runs, consistently good runs, ran behind a good blocking or a good blocking from the offensive line, six yards of carry. If they can continue to just give Jonathan Taylor the ball, him being the feature back, Zach Moss being that complimentary piece, and if the O-line can keep playing like this, they're going to be really difficult to face late in the season. Love it. Helped get the offense back on track. Looking like the Jonathan Taylor of old, which is what this Colts team needs as as they head into the stretch run. A lot of people in the chat saying Michael Pittman <laughs> Jr., the CFO of, of Horseshoe Huddle, Patrick Rice saying uh, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. stats. Matt is on that train as well. CMDSR, the third Pittman vote in the chat. And Wyatt then we've Law. got Wyatt Law, Wesley French for player of the game, made Vita Vea a non-factor like the dark horse pick uh, uh for the player of the game but guys all those really good picks i'm going the opposite side of the ball samson ebukam four tackles two sacks a forced fumble making pro bowl left tackle tristan Wirfs uh look like a pedestrian out there <laughs> fantastic game from Samson Ebukam leading that charge, making game-changing plays uh, uh, as a pass rusher there, exactly what the Colts need, having his best game as a Colt, and, and hopefully this is just a springboard for what's to come for Samson Ebukam in a Colts uniform. So those are our players for the game over the Colts against the Buccaneers. Another victory Monday in the books. Colts, don't look now. They're starting to get hot at the right time, and maybe, just maybe, we're talking about some meaningful football into the middle part of January. So that's our show for this evening, guys. Really appreciate everybody who tuned in uh, to talk Colts football with us on this Victory Monday. want to give a special shout-out to all of our Super Chats this evening. My beautiful and pregnant wife, Danielle uh, Truitt. Tom Brady, thanks for him for joining the show. Uh, the goat, the goat, Logan Schmidt, and NFL nerd. Really appreciate all of your super chats, all of your support, and everyone else that joined us tonight made it a lot of fun uh, to talk about the Colts Buccaneers game. Uh, it was a, it was a great game. It really was a great game all around for the Indianapolis Colts. As Patrick Rice says, playoffs, playoffs. <laughs> playoffs might be in the picture so if you right. haven't done so already please go follow us on all of our socials like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit the like button on this video on on youtube and, and hit that bell so you know whenever drake and i go live every monday and thursday night or for special episodes like we had to do last week for breaking the news so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live or on youtube apple spotify google wherever you listen to podcasts we're on there as well so make sure you subscribe give us a five-star review so we can reach other colts fans just like you drake what do you have on horseshoehuddle.com that the people can go check out that you've written? So uh, I have the three good, three bad in the win against the Buccaneers to so go check that out. But we always stay objective on here, right? But there's one that I'm passionate about. And I truly believe should happen. And that is three reasons that Colts' Shane Steichen could win coach of the 
years. So go check that out and let me know if you agree. Let me know if your opinion differs. I'm eager to hear what everyone thinks. Two great pieces by Drake on HorseshoeHuddle.com. For me, I wrote up after the game why Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. need to be the catalyst for this Colts offense and for this Colts team as they make that playoff push into December and into January. So make sure you check out uh, all three of those pieces and all of the rest of the writings by our talented writers at HorseshoeHuddle.com. Go follow Drake at DWallsterDrake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL. We have one more super chat of the evening from the CFO himself for even more for even more diapers and open bars. Hey, Drake and I salute you, Patrick. Really, really appreciate it, buddy, because, hey, diapers ain't cheap. We're going to yeah. need it all uh, uh, here <laughs> in, in, in just a few months. So really appreciate it, Patrick, as always. So for Drake and myself, have a fantastic uh, rest of your Victory Monday, and we will see you Thursday night to get you all set for an AFC South showdown between the Colts and the Titans, sure to be a fun one. So everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you Thursday night.